Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. This is episode 15. We're coming at you from the northeast of the United States, August, the very tail end of August, 2022. I'm your host, Sean, online as Atomic Squeeze, Nuke Hops, Nuclear Hops, or Homebrew, depending on where you play. We have a fun and informative show for you today, where we'll be focusing on Badusi. I'm going to review some bars and restaurants, then we'll get to Badusi, and you'll get to hear about my recent play since the last episode. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy shooting the shit about all things poker and beer. Since poker is a social sport, y'all know I usually crack open a beer and review it. I'm going to change it up for today's episode. Today's poker game is a mashup of two games in one. So instead of reviewing a single beer, I'm going to review a beer scene. Specifically, the beer scene in Cleveland, Ohio. So there's a section in, in Cleveland called the Ohio City Section on the main strip of West 25th Street in Cleveland with a great lineup of bars, restaurants, and breweries uh, slash beer gardens, most notable of which is Great Lakes Brewing Company. I'm going to review a couple few places from this area and uh, a little bit outside of uh, the Ohio City area. So first place is uh, a bar restaurant with outdoor dining called Town Hall. And they actually, interestingly, they actually have a registered dietitian on staff who helps to provide a reasonably healthy menu, which uh, was one of the first reasons why I uh, chose this place. The food was actually quite good, and even better, the beer list was adequate. So we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about uh, Cleveland and the poker scene later in this episode, but uh, at one point I was talking to some locals and, uh, you know, about asking about where to go to eat, etc. And I mentioned town hall and, uh, some Cleveland locals said, well, the tourists like it there. And, uh, I never really got an answer of their opinion on, uh, where to go for good food. So I had this recommendation for town hall and, uh, ended up there. And despite what uh, might have been said about the, the tourists going there, in my opinion, it's hard to argue with what I found to be tasty food, um, a good-sized beer and drink selection, along with decent service and, quite honestly, a packed bar and restaurant and patio out back. So uh, pretty sure that uh, it's more than the uh, tourists that, uh, that frequent town hall. Another place... Uh, was uh, Market Garden Brewery, which by my definition is actually a brew pub. That is a restaurant and brewery under one roof. Now, before I continue here, keep in mind, probably eight to nine times out of 10 that I try a new local brewery, I'm disappointed. Um, but the beer I had at Market Garden was well-made, and I'm definitely interested in trying more from their list at some point in the future. 
Now, what I had, while I didn't necessarily like all of the beers that I tried, they were all well-made. And when I say I'm disappointed when I usually try new beers is that they are just not well-made. That is, most beers um, from a lot of local breweries are flawed, um, and even some national breweries. The beers I tasted from Market Garden Brewery did not fall into the flawed category, so I generally came away a happy camper. Finally, the last place I'll mention uh, for this beer scene review is a place called The Winking Lizard. Yes, you heard that right, The Winking Lizard. (laughs) Um, I got the name wrong a couple of times myself um, and eventually uh, happened upon the the proper name. So a, a very odd name with several locations through the city. Um, so it's got a chain like vibe similar to like an Applebee's or a Chili's or a Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, so if you're into like the chain restaurant vibe, this place would work. Uh, the one thing it did having go, did have going for it, since I'm not a big chain, uh, restaurant person, the one thing it did have going for it was an incredible beer selection. Um, the draft beer selection was decent, but it was the bottle selection that was impressive. They had bottles, uh, some rare bottles, um, that would be most impressive for any, uh, beer connoisseur. With those few reviews, I haven't even scratched the surface of bars and restaurants to check out in and around Cleveland to eat and drink. Um, it's definitely worth a trip, uh, if you're within striking distance of Cleveland or there's some other reason you'll be, uh, around that area in Ohio. Uh, I would certainly check out, uh, check out Ohio City and, uh, actually all around Cleveland, uh, downtown, and all around the area, there seem to be quite a few bars, restaurants, breweries, um, beer gardens, etc., cetera, uh, to check out with some good food and good drink. So like I said, we'll talk a little bit about the Cleveland poker scene later in this episode. So let's get talking some poker. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games or those looking to branch into other variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. Our goal is to bring you the rules, the deal, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode will be covering Badusi. Why Badusi? Well, we're kicking it up a notch, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode. Um, we're, we're advancing along through the game list, and the next topic is uh, games that are two games put into one. And uh, Badusi is similar to some other games we've discussed. Uh, we've discussed a lot of single game uh, action up to this point. And so Badusi is actually a mashup of two games we've discussed before. It is a combination of two drawing games with fixed limit betting. Therefore, it's a split pot game, but not a high-low spit spit not a it is not a high low split pot game like we have discussed in previous episodes badusi is a combination of the two drawing games badugi which was discussed in episode 13 in august 2022 and deuce to seven triple draw low ball which was discussed in episode 10 in june 2022 so again badusi is a combination of two drawing games badugi and deuce to seven triple draw with one exception, and that is that aces play high in the Badoogie hand. Of course, they also play high in the deuce to seven triple draw hand, but that's a normal part of the rules. So for Badoosie, aces only play high, even 
for the Badoogie hand. Therefore, the best Badoogie hand when playing the game of Badoosie is 5-4-3-deuce-rainbow. So in Badoosie, half of the pot goes to the best five-card, deuce-to-seven, triple-draw lowball hand, with the other half of the pot going to the best Badoogie hand. And remember, aces play high in that Badoogie hand in the game of Badoosie. <laughs> like other split pot games, one player can scoop the pot. If one player has both the best deuce to seven triple draw hand and also has the best Badoogie hand, again, with aces playing high, that player scoops the entire pot. All right, let's get to the specifics of how to deal and play Badoosie. There's a small blind and a big blind used for the two positions immediately to the left of the dealer button, respectively. After the blinds are posted, five cards are dealt to each player face down, one at a time, starting with the player to the immediate left of the dealer button, also known as the small blind, and proceeding clockwise around the table. A round of betting occurs, where each player, starting with the player to the left of the big blind, known as the under-the-gun player, takes action as either folding, matching the big blind, or raising to a larger amount. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, beginning with the player closest to the left of the dealer button who is still in the hand, each player is prompted one at a time to discard any cards they wish to replace in their hand. You may choose to discard up to all five cards, although this is not recommended, or not to discard any cards, which is known as standing pat. Once all players at the table still in the hand have acted by discarding the cards they wish to replace, the dealer replaces those cards in turn by dealing the same number of cards discarded by each player all face down to each of the remaining respective players. Once this first draw is complete, another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once a betting action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, beginning with the player closest to the left of the dealer button who is still in the hand, each player is again prompted one at a time to discard any cards they wish to replace in their hand or to stand pat by not discarding any cards. Once all players at the table and still in the hand have acted by discarding the cards they wish to replace, the dealer replaces those cards in turn by dealing the same number of cards discarded by each player all face down to each of the respective players. Once this second draw is complete, another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once betting is taken by each player, once a betting action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, beginning with the player closest to the left of the dealer button who is still in the hand, each player is prompted again, one at a time, to discard any cards they wish to replace in their hand or not to discard any cards, also known as standing pat. Once all players at the table and still in the hand have acted by discarding the cards they wish to replace, the dealer replaces those cards in turn by dealing the same number of cards discarded by each player all face down to each of the respective players. 
Once this third and final draw is complete, a final round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Finally, the showdown, where one or two winners is determined with the best deuce to seven triple draw low ball hand winning half of the pot and the best badoogie hand with again remember aces play high for the badoogie hand the best badoogie hand winning the other half of the pot if one player has both the best deuce to seven triple draw hand and the best badoogie hand with aces playing high that player scoops the entire pot so those are that's the play and deal. Sounds a little repetitive uh, a lot of times, but I want to make sure you know. Again, this is an intro guide, a beginner's um, guide for Badusi. So I want to make sure everybody understands all the rules very specifically. So uh, you, you know, and some of these times when I'm going over the rules, there's a lot of repetitiveness. But uh, I want to make sure we don't skip anything and that everybody understands exactly how the game is played, so they can feel comfortable sitting down in these games. So let's go over some beginner's tips for Bidusi to get you started. So first and foremost, remember the object and rules of the game. You want to make the lowest five card deuce to seven triple draw hand and or the best four card Badoogie hand. Or, and if you remember from the Badoogie episode, um, if nobody makes a four card Badoogie, the best three card, also known as a Triss or a Tries, depends on uh, who you're talking to. Um, the best three card Badoogie hand if no one has a four card Badoogie. So you're trying to make really, you're trying to scoop, right? In any of these split pot games, the goal is to scoop the pot and win both sides of it, whether it's a high low split pot game or, as in the case of Badoosie that we're discussing today, a combination of two games in one. So again, remember the object and rules aces play high for both sides, right? Deuce to seven, triple draw, aces play high no matter what. But uh, remember, in Badoosie, aces also play high for the Badoogie hand. Straights and flushes count against a hand. So important to remember that a flush won't help you in the deuce to seven, or especially the Badoogie, um, and straights won't help you in the deuce to seven, uh, triple draw hand either. So here's, here's something really important, one, one, besides remembering the rules, play hands that have a better chance of winning the Badoogie hand over the deuce to seven triple draw hand. Since Badoogie hands can improve to a winning deuce to seven triple draw hand, it's important to focus on the Badoogie hand first, right? So the Badoogie hand is a four card hand, the deuce to seven triple draw is a five card. So if you've already got a made Badoogie, you can keep drawing and you can still make um, a phenomenal deuce to seven triple draw hand for that fifth card. So important to remember the rules and important to remember work on the Badoogie hand um, and then uh, worry about the deuce to seven triple draw hand later because that, that can sort of come on, on, of its own accord. And then finally, um, a beginner final beginner's tip for Badusi, play strong tries or tris. Um, so play strong three-card Badoogie hands, especially uh, when in position. All right, let's talk about my recent play since episode 14. So my home games, I mentioned home games in the last episode, uh, still not going well for me. 
I blew off a pile of money at the last home game. I was just uh, just kind of aggravated at continually losing. So uh, so I decided, hey, let's play loose and fast. I'm, I've been in a home game slump, as I said, and uh, figured, you know, if I play loose and fast, maybe I can get through the slump faster, right? I can get through this bad run of cards if I just play loose and fast and burn money off. All right. So I realized that's flawed logic, but hey, this is a game with variants we're talking about. So anyway, I'll let you know uh, on the next episode if that, uh, if that flawed strategy uh, happened to work out in my favor or not. So as far as online play, I uh, <clears throat> actually ended up pulling my money from WSOP.com. There's a pile of reasons, um, and I'll, uh, I'll go through some of them here and explain. But uh, first, I, I, just, I generally have trouble getting on uh, the, the online WSOP site to, to play. Uh, the interface just doesn't doesn't fit on my screen properly. It, it may be a resolution setting somewhere on the computer, but uh, I've tried lots of lots of things and uh, just just can't get it to, uh, to 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 fit right on my screen. And I can I can make do with a with an extra screen and 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 make the game work, but uh, it, it's far from ideal. Anyway, what got me to this point was I deposited some money. There was a circuit event, so for those of you who don't know, the WSOP. You know, they have the main uh, World Series of Poker out in Vegas every year. Then they also run live uh, circuit events around the country to where you can win a ring. So you win bracelets in the main event, you know, out, out the main WSOP out in Las Vegas live. And then they run circuit events, uh, smaller circuit events throughout the year um, around the country to give more people a chance to win. You win a ring if you win one of those circuit events. <clears throat> So there was an online circuit event that I was trying to enter, deposited money, said my money money was deposited, and it wouldn't let me register. I kept trying for almost a good solid 45 minutes. <clears throat> and what was interesting, that during this entire 45 minutes of me trying to register for this uh, circuit tournament, I noticed there were no additional entries into the tournament. So I'm wondering if it was a widespread, spread, a widespread problem and for some reason was not noticed by uh, WSOP technical staff because it was odd to me that there were no new entries during the late reg period in an online WSOP circuit event for the at least 45 minutes that I was watching while I was trying to register myself. Anyway, at that point, with all the issues I've had over the years with the WSOP online interface, money, withdrawing money. I said, F it, I'm, I'm just going to withdraw my money, and, and you know, which posed another problem for me. The pain in the ass it is to just withdraw money, and we're not talking about a lot of money. You know, I'm not a high-stakes player here. This is small, small money we're talking about. <clears throat> um, I, I had to provide documentation yet again, the same documentation I've provided a pile of times in the past. So, look, uh, I withdrew my money. Not sure I'm, I'm going to go back playing WSOP online. I, I prefer live play anyway, but obviously online is uh, much more convenient. And uh, and there just aren't a lot of, in fact, any poker tournaments um, really here on the, on the East Coast uh, to speak of around the Atlantic City area. So uh, one final note on that, I can say I don't encounter these issues of that magnitude when I play poker stars, just saying. All right, let's move on to casino games. We've talked about home games. We've talked about my online play um, or lack thereof. <clears throat> so I told you 
we uh, we get back to uh, reviewing. We reviewed the Clo- Cleveland, sorry, Cleveland, Ohio beer scene at the beginning of this podcast, and now I'm gonna uh, give a small review of the Cleveland, Ohio poker scene. So Jack's Casino in Cleveland was holding a uh, a meetup game and uh, actually an entire tournament weekend. And, you know, I just mentioned that tournaments are uh, are lacking uh, on the East Coast, except for Florida, which is a ways from where, where I sit. Um, so Cleveland was hosting a, a big poker tournament weekend with a poker uh, commentator and player named Veronica Brill. So, and one of these tournaments was a PLO tournament with bomb pots, and that sounded interesting to me. And so I decided to uh, to, to take a weekend trip out to Cleveland. Um, plus, I've heard good things about the city, as you uh, realized from uh, from my beer scene review. I've heard some good things about the food and drink and just the general city scene. So I uh, decided to uh, get out of Dodge, so to speak, and take a trip to uh, Jack's Casino in, in Cleveland. So I sat down, I got there, um, drove out, went pretty much checked into the hotel, right? And what do we do as poker players? Check in, and some some of us don't even check in, just head straight to the casino to uh, check out the action. So I sat down to play a $5, $5 uh, fixed limit. So that's $5 small blind, $5 big blind, uh, pot limit Omaha, PLO. Um, you know, since I was going to be entering a PLO tournament, uh, that weekend, I figured, uh, let me get some cash game PLO in, you know, just uh, to check out the, the players and, uh, you know, get in the mindset of PLO. So I sat down, blew through a, a few dollars in in a short term, just a, just a few hands, uh, and the game broke. <laughs> People kept sort of leaving, and it seems, and I was like, what the F? f? <laughs> like, so anyway, <clears throat> so that was that. So it seemed that most people were leaving to go play uh, the No Limit. They were just sitting in PLO uh, waiting to get a seat, which which happens often in casinos. People sitting in one game just waiting uh, to get seated in another game. So I ended up getting on a list for a $1, $2, No Limit, what was called a shenanigans game. So Veronica Brill, uh, this female uh, sort of social media poker influencer, um, really I call her a poker player and commentator, um, she was, it was going on in honor of her being in the house, uh, being at Jack's Cleveland. So it was basically a one, two, no limit hold'em game with bomb pots taking place, uh, at each dealer change. So for those of you who don't know what a bomb pot is, now that I've mentioned it a, a, a few times here, um, a bomb pot is when every player at the table pays an equal amount to the big blind. So each player pays the big blind before cards are dealt. Then each player's whole cards are dealt, and then the flop is dealt. Then the first round of betting takes place. So essentially, each player pays a big blind, and there's no more betting until after the flop, at which point uh, play resumes as normal. Uh, Basically, in the 1-2 No Limit shenanigans game with the uh, bomb pots, the 1-2 No Limit with bomb pots, I ended up making back what I lost at the 5-5 PLO game, plus a few dollars. Um, and at that point, I excused myself from the table. Uh, it was time to go grab some dinner by then after the, after the long drive and, uh, and the session. So the next day, I entered the PLO Bomb Pot Tournament. And in this uh, case, so I said in the cash game, the Bomb Pots took place at each dealer change. For the tournament, 
um, and this makes more sense, the bomb pots um, ran one bomb pot at the start of each level. So you would then play, pay the new uh, big blind for that new level um, and then get your, get your four cards in the PLO game case, the flop, and then betting um, would take place and the game would resume as a normal PLO game. So I ended up busting after a couple of hours when I ended up all in after the flop with, with set. I had a set, went all in, didn't have a whole lot of chips left. I, I bet I got called, I got raised, and then I re-raised what, what ended up being all in. Um, and we turned over our hands. I turned over a set. Um, I was called by the one player who re-raised, had actually nothing, had had a draw. And, you know, the way the way I said my, my home games have been going where I'm just in this serious slump, um, the person they hit, they hit their uh, wheel, hit a wheel on the turn. So they basically <laughs> called my all in with, with a wheel draw, hit it on the turn, um, and my tournament was over. Anyway, it was fun playing my what was my first live PLO tournament and one with bomb pots at that. All in all, I have to say the trip to Cleveland went better than I expected. Uh, I guess my hopes weren't very high for, for Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and there, there was one downside uh, to bring up, the exception of parking. Uh, things went well with the exception of parking at Jack's Casino, which was costly and confusing. In fact, I didn't even end up parking in casino parking. Um, there was signs up for like $60 to park in the casino parking and there was two or three garages, one of them out of authorized passes only. Uh, so for somebody who doesn't know, um, it, it was very unclear what to do. Um, and I found out someone else actually who traveled from out outside the area. And there were a number of players coming in for this, uh, this tournament weekend with Veronica. Uh, there were others who had actually similar parking issues as me. If you talk to the local folks, of course, they say if you're playing in the poker room, you go basically get uh, get some kind of a voucher and uh, can park into the in the casino uh, garage. But uh, for those of us who didn't know, we either paid a boatload to park or uh, <laughs> we walked uh, quite a distance, parked somewhere else. That's all right. Uh, don't mind walking. You know that I talk about health and wellness here on the podcast uh, once in a while, and my book uh, is full of that. So uh, the walks were good. But all in all, with all that Cleveland has to offer from the beers, the food, the nice vibes, to the actual very pleasant staff and players in the poker room at Jack's Casino, plus the fact that Veronica Brill was there to enhance everyone's experience, it's a trip worth making, um, even if you're not a Browns or Guardians fan. (laughs) All right, since this episode is going a little long uh, with the... Cleveland beer and poker scene reviews. I'm going to skip uh, skip the poker news section for this episode, and we will pick it back up next time. Finally, if you want to learn more about Bedusi or any mixed games, head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of the 23 mixed poker games that we're discussing on this episode series. So you don't have to keep rewinding the podcast to follow the rules. You just pick up your book um, and reread it. The book is actually more than just the rules in play for 23 mixed games. It's a good reference for definitions on all terms related to poker so you're comfortable before sitting down at a table. 
if you want things like a clear explanation of small blind, big blind, an ante, less common terms such as big blind antes, button antes, straddles, button straddles, kill pots, half kill, and so on, this book is a good reference. There's also a chapter on poker history, a chapter on the similarities between Hold'em and mixed games, and another chapter on differences between Hold'em and mixed games. And as I mentioned just a few moments ago, there's also a chapter on body and mind, how, how they play into uh, playing a phenomenal poker game and keeping your game uh, at the top of its uh, level, plus much more. Well, that's all for episode 15, Badusi. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R All the Games. Subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com and join us again in two weeks for episode 16 where we are going to discuss another game that is a combination of two games in one, Badesi. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker, All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm-hmm.